Welcome to the Church for All Nations podcast, streaming live from Tacoma, Washington. We're so excited you joined us today. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. Well, good morning, Church for All Nations. Anybody in the house today? Let me hear you. Is anybody in the house? There they are. Man, it's so good to see you today. If you are joining us for the first time, maybe you've watched us online. We have a huge online audience that watches us every week and even throughout the week. And maybe you saw us online and are here today for the first time. And you are thinking, man, that guy looks way different than he did last week. Well, I'm not the same guy. You're talking about Pastor JF. My name is Pastor Eric. And along with my wife, Stephanie, and I, we are the small groups and family pastors here at Church for All Nations. In fact, my wife right now is teaching growth track upstairs. And growth track is like the next steps. Like now, now I want to know what your church is all about. Okay. Go to growth track. All right. We'd love to have you up there every Sunday at 11, every Wednesday night at 7 PM on Zoom. Well, pastors JF and Ashley are away right now. They, in fact, pastor JF was speaking today at another church and, uh, Uh, he and Pastor Ashley and their kids are enjoying some vacation time because Pastor JF turned 40 this week. And when you turn 40, you need vacation. All right. I'm just saying that that's a real thing. I I only say that because 40 is in my rear view. Anybody can relate to me on that? Anybody? All right. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, hey, we are going to talk about, continue to talk about what did Jesus do and this is the second week of us doing that. Pastor JF started last week's series. Pastor Ashley is going to conclude next week. But Pastor JF started last week by telling us about this radical, like culturally unacceptable, unacceptable uh, encounter that he had with this Samaritan woman at the well. And the thing is, is it wasn't enough that Jesus as a Jew would talk to a Samaritan because that was not an okay thing back in this time. But in addition to that, talking to a Samaritan woman, like that was a big no-no, right? And yet Jesus decided to do that. And he had an impact on this Ladies' eternity. You know, you never know the impact that your encounter with someone will have on their eternity. All right. So, before we get into week two, I want to ask you a question Has anybody ever done jury duty in this? You've been summoned to do jury duty. Just raise your hand at me. I want to see a few, few people. All right. I, I've been summoned. In fact, um, my son, who's here, Kai, who's 19 today. So Kai, happy birthday. Today is big. Night. So they snagged him in his first year of eligibility. All right. Like 18 came and they were like, we want you. And so they summoned Kai for jury duty and he got placed on a jury. And it was kind of a, like, it was a big deal. And uh, he was like for a month, he was uh, on this trial. Well, it made me think of a time that I was selected or at least summoned for jury duty. I was actually never selected to sit in on a jury. But uh, one day when I was on jury duty uh, that's in downtown Tacoma, maybe you know the area, it's right out there on Tacoma Avenue. And um, they give us like an hour lunch break or something like that. Like, man, who gets an hour lunch break? But it's a, you know, it's a government operation. So everybody gets an hour lunch break, all right? So anyway, so I, we get out and I, I start walking over and there's a McDonald's right on the next block. And this is like an old school McDonald's, like 1950s type of like original style, right? So I, I walk across the street over to McDonald's. And um, as I walk onto their, you know, sidewalk and parking lot and start approaching the door, this guy walks up to me total stranger. And it was very obvious that he was homeless. His clothes were filthy, you know, hadn't been washed in I don't know how how long. His hands were, you know, they were swollen from being probably outside all the time. 
uh, his beard was, you know, just real scraggly. His hair was stringy, you know. And he, and he says, hey, you got a dollar? And a lot, I know that you've been asked that question before, right? Like, it, we, we just, that's what it is, especially if you're in a city. Like, if you're in a city and you're, you're walking around, there's a lot of foot traffic and, and you're going to get that question. And he asked me that question and I had a decision I had to make. Now, not a big decision, but it's a decision that you've had to make and that I've had to make and I've had to make it. I had to make it before then, right, before that encounter, and I've had to make it since that encounter with that question. But, you know, Jesus was faced with decisions every single day. Every day that Jesus was, was doing his work, his ministry here on earth, he was faced with decisions and he was so decisive. Like he was so good with his decisions. And so often like his decisions like really tore him between two options, like, like between the clean and the unclean, right? Like between the, the sinners and the righteous, between the rich and the poor. And how was it? What was it about Jesus that made him so decisive? Uh, what was it about Jesus that led him to encounter after encounter with people that made the religious leaders of the day so angry? Well, we're going to spend some time today. Most of our time is actually going to be spent in Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. And we're going to talk about a little guy named Zacchaeus. If you grew up in the church, there was even a song about him in children's church, right? Like he was a wee little man, a wee little man was he. Anyway, I don't want to get into that and offend a bunch of people. Anyway, so, so we're going to be talking about that. But before we get into the beginning of the story, I want to give you the last verse in the passage that we're going to read today. So Luke chapter 19 Verse 10. And, and the reason I want to give it to you is because I want you to understand the why behind the question, what did Jesus do? So let's look at this verse. Luke 19, verse 10 says this, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. So this morning, if you are a follower of Jesus, right, you've been redeemed, you have been saved, I want you in your mind, like in a, in a time machine in your mind, I want you to go back to the day that you had a radical, life-altering, eternity-changing encounter with Jesus, because I think if you hear this message in the context of having already been saved, you might not get the full impact of the story. And if you're here today and you've never said yes to Jesus, you're coming from a different journey. I think that the Lord has something for you this morning, both in the auditorium and to all our friends that are watching online. So whether that day was 30 years ago, or whether that day was, you know, 30 days ago. Take yourself back to that place and remember that we were all saved by the grace of God. Just like Pastor Jordan talked about, right? So let's go back to the text. Now, verses 1 and 2 in Luke chapter 19. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. Just passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector and was very wealthy. So Zacchaeus was the chief tax collector in that town, and I want you to remember the fact that he was wealthy, because that maybe not be very significant, but it is significant in our story. So what also you need to know is that Zacchaeus is the only chief tax collector that's mentioned by name in the Bible, all right? Now, 
What you also need to know is that tax collectors were hated by everyone. I mean everyone, everyone. Not like, oh, his mom still, like nobody liked the tax collectors, okay? There was, there was, there was a, a special class of sinner that was set aside for the tax collector. So Roman, the, the Roman Empire was in charge of this region in Jericho, right? And of course, the Romans then would need to collect the taxes. So what they would do is they would farm out the responsibility of that job to a tax collector, a chief tax collector, and that person would buy the right to pay the taxes. Now, I know right now you're thinking, why would anybody want to buy the right to pay taxes? I'm already getting taxed. I don't want to buy the right to pay taxes. I already have this right, okay? I'm just telling you that's how the system worked. And then that person would go around and they would collect taxes to, right, to, to reimburse them. So they'd collect the taxes, but then they would charge them additional monies and there was no limit. There was no law. There was no rule that said, well, you can only charge this amount. You only get a 5% markup. No, they would charge people whatever they felt like they wanted to charge them. And so they would tax the Jews. They would keep the prophet and they would pay off the Romans. And the Jews considered the tax collectors like traitors. And the Romans didn't like the tax collectors because they were Jewish. And like I said before, there was, a, there was a really special, there was a distinction between the sinner, the murderer, the adulterer, the thief, and then the tax collector. There was really something special about the distinction. In fact, Jesus called a tax collector to be a disciple. Did you know that? His name was Levi. But after Jesus called Levi, he called him Matthew. Because how many know that when Jesus gets a hold of you, when Jesus calls you, he says, you're not who you used to be. I've got a new future. I've got a new purpose for you. And so his name became Matthew. Amen? So this is what happened in Mark chapter 2. This is Levi's experience, Matthew's experience. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, verse 15, many tax collectors and sinners, right? There's tax collectors and there's sinners. We're eating with him and his disciples because there were many that followed him. So when the teachers of the law, who were the Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and, right, the tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with these tax collectors and the sinners? Almost as if one would be better than the other, right? You know what I'm talking about? Like, he's like, why is he eating with the sinners and the tax collectors? See, the Stigma of tax collectors was no secret. People didn't like them and they talked openly about their disdain for them, including Zacchaeus. But not only that is that these tax collectors were totally used by religious leaders, powerful people in that day. So you heard about the Pharisees. They were the teachers of the law. But then there's this other group called the Sadducees. Now, the Sadducees were a very prominent and a very powerful uh, uh, political and religious party of that time. And they had a lot of responsibility. So the, the Sadducees would be in charge of everything from like maintaining diplomatic relations with the Roman Empire to uh, uh, maintaining the temple of God in Jerusalem. So as you know, maintaining a building requires money, but the Sadducees, they couldn't collect this money because the Roman currency of that day was considered unclean. And back then, if something clean touched something unclean, then that clean thing became unclean. 
So what they would do, what the Sadducees would do is they would have the tax collectors go exchange this unclean Roman currency for clean Jewish currency, bring it to the temple for what the needs were. And the problem with that is that now, yes, the Sadducees remained clean, but the tax collectors were now seen as unclean and couldn't come into the temple. There's a little bit of a problem here. So even if they wanted to, and I'm not saying that they, I don't want to paint the tax collectors as some innocent people that were like breaking down the doors of the church just to worship God. All I'm saying is that even if they wanted to come into the temple, they couldn't because now they were unclean. And the reason that it was considered unclean was because of the images that were on the Roman currency, right? Images of pagan gods and things like that. So here were these tax collectors not able to get in. And what you have to know about that law also is that if anybody spent time or touched somebody that was unclean, they too would become unclean, okay? So just like why the Sadducees wouldn't touch the currency. People couldn't spend time with or touch people that were unclean because then they would come unclean. That was the law. So let's go back to the text, verse 3 now of Luke chapter 19. He, Zacchaeus, wanted to see who Jesus was. But because he was short, come on, somebody's like in their hearts, they're like, yes, Lord, I can still see you even though I'm short. Okay. Even though he he wanted to see Jesus, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. And you have to understand that the crowd was huge. The crowd was like, it was buzzing, throngs of people all over the place, right? And they were crowded in the streets and no one was wearing masks and they weren't keeping their distance. They were putting themselves at risk and others, but it was all to see Jesus, right? And so here is Zacchaeus, who was significantly shorter than everybody else. And I think that it's interesting that he is said to have been significantly shorter. And in fact, the the word short here is the Greek word micros, okay? Micros, right? That, that, That makes sense probably to you, right? Micros is the word. And here's what the word micros actually means. It means small or little. He was small. And I'm just, I'm not talking about in physical stature, because yes, it does mean that, but it not only does it mean of size, it means of rank, or of influence, and he was considered small, was Zacchaeus. And I think it's interesting that the author makes sure and use that word and point that out, because not only was he visibly shorter than everyone, but people also thought morally he was smaller than everybody else, right? They thought he was morally corrupt. They thought he was not worthy of salvation. You see, and he wasn't allowed to go to the front of the line because like the example of the Sadducees, people wouldn't let him in because he was unclean. Verse four now. So he ran ahead, Zacchaeus. He ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him. Since Jesus was coming that way. And now at our house, I don't know, we have three boys, so you can imagine the chaos that is, okay? All right. So we have a couple, we don't have a lot of trees on our property, but we got a couple, and we had this like phenomenal climbing tree. Does anybody, did anybody climb trees when they were kids? Like they, they really, enjoyed, like I loved it, right? But, but we had this, uh, I don't know, this fir tree and it was in our yard and it was kind of by, standing by itself and, and uh, it's like 35 feet tall or 40 feet tall. And uh, so anyway, we, we had this tree and it was great for climbing. Once you could get up there, it was, the first branch was a little bit high, but our oldest son, Kai, he always, he f- would find a way to get up into that tree. And he got up into that tree. And I'm talking about all the time. Like he loved that tree. He climbed and he wouldn't climb it just to the first branch. And it's like, oh, that's nice. He climbed this tree to the point, you you know how trees get really thin at the top, 
right? You ever see like trees sway in the wind? It's always the tops, right? This way. And so he'd get up to the top where it's really uncomfortable even to watch. And you're like, that thing I think could topple over. Uh, But he'd get up to the top and he'd stand up there and he'd grab hold of it and he'd start swaying back and forth. And he'd say, hey, dad, up there in the top, like the top of the tree. Can you see me up here? Can you see me in the tree? It wasn't hard to see. In fact, it would have been more hard to miss because he always wore these yellow boots also. In fact, our youngest son actually has a pair of yellow boots on today. But he was always climbing the trees. Even our smaller two, our younger two boys, they love to climb trees too because that's what kids do. They love to climb. Moms, you can attest to that. Having the toddlers, you're like the jungle gym that just moves along with them, right? Kids love to climb things. They love to climb trees. But not men. Like if I'm climbing a tree, I'm cutting it down and getting paid for it. Come on, somebody, right? Like I'm gonna be an arborist if I'm gonna climb a tree. But that's what kids do. It's not what men do, especially in this culture. You have to understand that things like that, it would have been considered an embarrassment. It would have been uh, uh, considered uh, completely unacceptable for a man to be climbing a tree in a robe. Come on, dude. Not cool, not good. There may have been other kids in the trees. In fact, there probably were other kids in the trees. But for Zacchaeus to do this shows his desperation. But he had to make a decision and he wanted to see Jesus. But I don't want to talk to you about his decision to climb a tree. I want to talk to you this morning and give you three quick points that Jesus made in this story, but with you in mind. Three points of of decision that Jesus made in this story with you and me and your closest friends and your closest relatives. He had you in mind the whole time. Let's start again back at verse 5 in Luke chapter 19, and then we'll get to the first point. It says this, the first part of verse 5 says, When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up. Meaning, when Jesus got to the point where the tree was, where Zacchaeus was perched, he looked up. The first point, the first decision that Jesus made was this. Jesus decided to seek after you. Write it down. He decided to seek after you. Of all the routes, of all the routes Jesus could have taken when he got into the city, of all the streets that he could have walked, he navigated his way to where Zacchaeus was. Where Zacchaeus was perched in a tree. And I don't know what Zacchaeus is, like, I don't know how he he reacted. Like maybe... When you, when you were a kid, maybe you snuck in somewhere that you weren't supposed to be or you were in a room that you weren't supposed to be and when somebody came in, you were like, if I, if I stay still, they won't see me. And I don't know if that was the reaction or maybe you have a little kid and if they don't want to be seen, they just close their eyes. Like, I don't know what Zacchaeus was doing in the tree at this moment, but I know that Jesus was seeking him and Jesus found him. Come on, somebody. So what is obvious is that, because we read about it already, is that Zacchaeus got himself up into the tree. This small man, this puny, this petty tax collector, he was seeking Jesus. But what we have to remember that Jesus didn't go into Jericho because Zacchaeus climbed a tree. Jesus didn't go into uh, Jericho because Zacchaeus was seeking him. Jesus went into Jericho because he was seeking Zacchaeus. Revelation 3.20. He even says it. Jesus says later on, he says, hey, 
Here I stand at the door. I'm knocking. That's what he says in Revelation 3.20. I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone would open the door, let me say it again. If anyone, he didn't say, hey, if the pretty people would open the door. He didn't say, hey, if the clean people would open the door. He didn't say, if the righteous people would just open the door. He said, no, if anyone would open the door, I'll come in and I'll eat with them and they'll eat with me. And you got to know that in that day, that meant a sign of covenant, of intimate relationship, that you were going to be with that person forever. It was friendship. And that's what Jesus wants to have with you today. He's seeking after you. A few chapters earlier in Luke chapter 15, Jesus gives three incredible parables about lost things. And one of them is the parable of the lost sheep. And he tells a story, if there's a shepherd who has a flock of a hundred and one of them wanders off, he would leave the 99 because the reason he would leave the 99 is because they were safe in their community. They had one another and they could be huddled up and be safe, but he would leave the 99 in order to find the one that wandered off, the one that left, the one that became vulnerable to the enemy and he would seek after him. And then it says, when he found him, he didn't beat him. He didn't shave the sheep when it wasn't the season. He was taking care of him. It says he was gonna have a party when that sheep was found. He goes on in John chapter 10. Well, he doesn't even identify the shepherd. In that story, when he's telling it, he doesn't even identify who the shepherd is. In fact, it's he, but he identifies it here. It was the very first verse that we read, verse 10, where it said, for the son of man came to what? Seek and save who? The lost. He is the good shepherd. He even said in John chapter 10, he said, he calls his sheep by name, by name, whatever your name is today. If it's Eric, if it's Johnny, whatever it is, if it's Angie, he is calling you by name this morning. And he says, I am the good shepherd. That's when he identifies it. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Jesus decided to seek after you. But that scripture leads us to our second point. Jesus decided to call you by name. He decided to call you by name. Look at verse five again. We'll read five, six, and seven. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. Jesus called Zacchaeus by name because Jesus knew his name. See, the other people in the crowd, they might have also known Zacchaeus's name, but they didn't call him by name. They called him by what he was known as, which was a sinner. Oh, look, Jesus has gone to be the guest of this sinner. They labeled him for something that Jesus doesn't label us for. You see what I'm saying? Like G Zacchaeus, he may not have had any clout in his community, but he was chosen by his creator. Come on, you know that this morning you've been chosen by the creator. And here's the difference. When you allow, other people, and you accept the clout that other people give you, that means they can take it away from you. 
But when you understand that you have been chosen by the creator of the universe, that you have been chosen, come on, say it over yourself. Say, I'm chosen. If you're in the chat, put I'm chosen and you got to believe it. That's what the Bible says, that you're chosen. And if you are chosen, it doesn't matter what other people say, because what God did was for your future, because he loved you, because he has a purpose for you. And no one can ever take that away away from you. Now, this whole story of Zacchaeus is happening like on the backdrop that Palm Sunday is like right around the corner. In fact, Jesus's next stop is in later in the, it's in the same chapter and it says from there he went on. But this was like a, not a small thing. It wasn't like, hey, I'm just going to dip into the town next door. Jerusalem was 14 miles away. And while that might not seem like a big deal to you, remember that they were on foot and they weren't even wearing like Nike Air Maxes, okay? This was not like a cozy, I'm gonna go for a jog. And in addition to it being 14 miles away from Jericho, which laid like 800 feet below sea level, to Jericho was a 33 hundred elevation gain in that 1400 miles. Like that's kind of a big deal. It would have, it would have made way more sense for Jesus to stay at the Ritz. You know what I'm talking about? Like the, you know, it would have made way more sense for Jesus to be like, Hey, I got to stay at the Jericho R&R resort and get a massage and a spa treatment. I got a big day because I'm going to Jerusalem as king, right? That he was getting ready for his triumphal entry in Jerusalem. Well, people would say, Hosanna, glory to God in the highest and talk to him and, and lay down branches for him and proclaim him to be king. But yet he stayed with a sinner. You know, I think oftentimes we experience God's most triumphant moments after what seem like our most mundane moments. Here was Jesus just staying with a sinner right before people would proclaim king. And while choosing to stay with Zacchaeus was a disgrace to the crowds, it was a time of repentance and it was a time of celebration for Zacchaeus. Look at Zacchaeus's response to Jesus in verse eight and nine. It says, Zacchaeus stood up and said, Lord, look, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, today, come on, say it, today salvation has come to this house. And I'm telling you something, friends, we're talking about radical salvation here. It might not seem like a big deal, but it was a big deal. Before Jesus entered the city of Jericho, there was this rich young ruler that came up to him. And he said, Master, I've been keeping the law since I was a boy. I've been keeping the law. So what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus is like, no problem. All you have to do, rich young man, is sell all your possessions and distribute it to the poor. And it says that rich young man, that, that wealthy young man, remember Zacchaeus was wealthy, but this rich young ruler, he walked away sad because he didn't want to sell his stuff because he had a lot of stuff and he didn't want to get rid of it. And then Jesus says this in verse 25 of chapter 18. He says, it is easier for 
a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Then, though, he uses a big three-letter word in chapter, in verse 27. He says, but, come on, you may have been through something, but. You may have gone through something that you didn't think you could get through, but. Maybe you, you walked through a financial situation that you didn't think was possible. You didn't know what was going to happen, but God showed up. You know what I'm talking about? And Jesus said to this, these people, he said, what is impossible with God with man is possible with God. And you might be going through something today. Maybe it's something because you lost your job and you don't know how you're going to make it financially. You don't know where your next rent check's going to come from. You don't know where your next meal is going to come from, but God is going to show up. Maybe you got a diagnosis from the doctor that it was going to be fatal, but God is going to show up. Maybe you're going through a marriage crisis right now. And what seems impossible with man is possible with God. Zacchaeus' response to Jesus was a stark contrast to this rich young ruler. Verse 9 again, Jesus said to him, we already read it, he said, today, today, right? He spent time with Jesus today. And he said, today is the day of salvation. Today, salvation has come to this house. And then he says, because this man too is a son of Abraham. So not only does Jesus declare that salvation has come to Zacchaeus, but then Jesus identifies Zacchaeus as something that only clean Jews could stake a claim at. This is upsetting right? At least if you're living under the law. Verse 10 goes on, it says, and we've read it before, because the Son of Man, right, came to seek and save who? The lost. The lost. Jesus decided to seek after you. Jesus decided to call you by name. And I want you to get this third point because it could change everything in your past and everything in your future. Jesus decided your future by redeeming your past. That was what he did. That is what Jesus does. Just like Pastor JF, last week he talked about the woman at the well and he decided, Jesus decided to seek after her right? Jesus decided her future by redeeming her past. She may not have had any clout in her community, but she was chosen by the creator. You see, she had an encounter with Jesus. And after that encounter, not only did she believe in Jesus, but it says that many Samaritans believed in Jesus because of her testimony. All from an encounter. And the band can come back. You know, you never know the impact an encounter will have on somebody else's eternity. So here I was at McDonald's. And this guy was asking me for money. And I had a decision to make. And so my decision was made and I said, no, I will not give you a dollar or two or ten. but I will buy you lunch if you sit with me. And, 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 but that was the rule. Like, there was no, like, I'm not Uber, right? I'm not just delivering the food, right? Like, you know, you're going to sit with me. 
and we're going to eat together. We're going to have a little chat, you and me. So anyway, we get in there, and he orders his food, and I order my food, and we sit down at this McDonald's, and he tells me a little bit about his story, where he's been, what he's done, good, bad, ugly. (laughs) And then I told him a little bit about my story, but not very much because I can't save anybody. I told him that Jesus has decided his future because he redeemed his past. And we ate lunch, and after lunch, it's time to go back to jury duty. And so I went back my way, and he went back his way. And I don't know where he went, to be honest with you. And about six months later, Stephanie and I were out just running some errands, you know, just doing our thing. And um, while we're out, we're at the store, and Stephanie, like, leans over to me, kind of a concerned look on her face, and she says, do you know that guy that's coming after us, like, walking towards us? And I looked at him, and I leaned back, and I said, no, (laughs) I don't. And uh, he came up to me, this guy, and like I said, I, I didn't recognize him. And he said, hey, do you remember me? And I said, I'm sorry, brother, I don't. And he said, well, about six months ago, you bought me lunch at McDonald's. Now, I didn't recognize him because, first of all, this guy was in clean clothes. He was an all shaved shaved up nice, right? He had a haircut. He was looking pretty good. And then he told me what had happened in the last six months, obviously in a short window of time. And he said, you know, after our lunch, I started uh, selling pencils. (laughs) I was like, okay. But that's that's what he could like afford to buy and then resell. And so he started selling these pencils, right? And like, train stations and bus stations, wherever people were like going and sitting and like whatever. And he was selling them for like 50 cents a piece. And he said, you know, I I saw people like buying these pencils and I just, it kind of felt good because it gave me a little hope. And so I decided to go to the mission and um, I I, I got set up there at at the mission, the Tacoma Rescue Mission. And, um, and I've been sober and, and clean for six months. And yeah, yeah, so good. And he goes, and now today, I've got my own job. I've got my own place. And he said, I've got Jesus. I've got Jesus. But you see, even in my own mind, when he came up to me, unclean, I had labels for him. I had labels. I, he didn't even need to tell me the story. I knew what he was going to ask me. I knew I, he didn't have to tell me his whole story. I could have told you his story, or so I thought. And and just like this guy, Zacchaeus, this tax collector, was, was labeled. And I'm telling you that your whole life, my whole life, people are going to try and label you and identify you by how pretty you are or how ugly you are, or they're going to identify you by your handicap, or they're going to identify you by your sin, or they're going to identify you by an event in your life. But you've already been defined by an event. And that event was when Jesus, he died on the cross for your sin and my sin. And then he rose from the grave and he gave us power and victory over the enemy. 
Even while we were sinners, Romans 5, 8 says that while we were sinners, this is how God proves his love for us, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. He knows where you've been and he knows where you're going and he still came down and he still died for you and he still died for me. And what was so radical about these encounters that Jesus had with sinners, with the unclean, with the tax collectors, and spending time with them and touching them was that he continued to go in and teach at the temple. He continued to go in. And this is what you have to understand. We've talked about it before. He spent time with these people. He touched these people. But Jesus was trying to reveal something about the very nature of who God is. He was trying to reveal something about what God wants to do. Because you see, and, and, and listen to me, if you are dealing with shame this morning, if you're, if you're feeling isolated this morning, if you're feeling unworthy this morning, this is what you need to know. I want you to hear the word of the Lord. Is that, see, in the Old Testament, like we, we've already talked about it, right? In the Old Testament, if something clean touched something unclean, that clean thing or person became unclean. That's why the priests, they didn't want to deal with the lepers. That's why the priests, they wouldn't touch those people is because when something clean touched the unclean, then that clean something became unclean. But how many know Jesus wasn't just any priest? How many know that? How many know that Jesus, see, he's the good shepherd. How many know that Jesus, he's the perfect lamb of God. He knew no shame. He knew no sin. And so now what happens is when the clean touches the unclean, it's not the clean that becomes unclean. It's the unclean that becomes clean and that's what he did is that he made you and he made me and he took us that were unclean and he made us clean through the blood of Christ it doesn't matter where you've been it doesn't matter what you've done it doesn't matter the label that someone else wants to put on you. It doesn't matter if you don't have clout in your community because you've been chosen by the creator. Jesus is walking up to that spot where you're perched up in that tree. And he's saying, I see you. And he's not just saying, hey, sinner, I see you. He's saying, hey, Amanda, I see you. Hey, Rochelle, I see you. Robert, I see you. Come down. Today, I got to stay with you. He wants to stay with you. He wants to stay with me. He wants to come home and he wants to eat and dwell with me. And he wants to go to your house and he wants to eat and dwell with you. And that is what Jesus did. Let's pray. Lord, right now there's people that feel ashamed and they feel isolated and they feel alone. They feel labeled. They feel unworthy. Father, I ask right now that your Holy Spirit would move mightily in their life. And friends, if that's you today and you're like, I don't, I, I've never felt 
like I could say yes to Jesus because I had to be clean before I even walked into the church. I've heard so many people say, well, if if I walked in that building, it would burn down. Friends, I'm telling you that Jesus already did the work. You can't look at your life and let it be defined by your worst moment. Jesus already defined your life. He already defined your future by what he did on the cross. Remember, he decided your future. He redeemed your past. So if you today, you've never said yes to Jesus, and you're like, today is the day. Just like Jesus said, today salvation has come to this house. And you're saying, yes, today is the day that I'm going to receive Jesus. I'm going to make him my Lord and Savior. I want to pray with you right now. But I just want you to lift up your hands because I, I, I want to know who I'm praying with, all right? So just right now, if that's you, you're saying yes to Jesus today for the first time, would you raise your hand? If you're on the chat, if you're watching online, tell the, tell the online pastor, tell the online pastor right now, maybe put up your hand emoji or whatever, but I just want to pray with you right now. Anybody in here for the first time, you're saying, yes, I want to be a believer. I'm accepting Jesus. Today, salvation has come in to my house, has come into my life. If you're in the chat, just put it up there as well. So good. Awesome. So Lord, If that was you today, I want you to just pray a prayer like this. Lord, I thank you for what you did for me. That you chose me. That I was defined by what you did and not by what I have done. And today I recognize that I'm a sinner. And today I recognize that I need you to be the Savior in my life. Just say that prayer. Maybe today you're just saying, you know what? I, I, am, a, I am a Christian. I'm a believer. I, 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 like we talked about at the very beginning. But hearing the story in this way for the first time made me realize that I need something. I need God to do it. It's a new thing. I need God to do something new in my life. And the word says that God is doing a new thing. And you just want to say, you know what? I need to be renewed today. I need a reminder today, or this was a reminder today, and I'm saying, Jesus, he is the center from this point on. If that's you, and I'm raising my hand, I just want to pray with you right now. Yep. Awesome. Awesome. See it all over the place. That's great. Lord, I thank you for that you are a redeemer. God, even if we slip, even if we wander off, it's, your word says that you go find us and you bring us back for those that accepted you for the first time today and decided to make you Lord of their life. Your word said that there's a party going on. There's a party in heaven because somebody said yes, because their eternity was changed, because you decided their future, because their past has been redeemed. You're having a party. And we thank you for that. And we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for joining us. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. For more content and to connect with us, go to cfan.church.